Hello, what is going on everyone? Welcome to 613 Wrestling Podcast. My name is Mark and welcome to the show. Um, Unfortunately, this week as well, Kyle and I, we were not able to match our schedules together. I know last week we did the A side and B side and we put out two uh, different podcasts. And number one, thank you so much for the love you guys have shown both of those. Uh, But this week we're actually going to do something a little different again, where um, I'm going to kick off the show, go over some... um, Items from this past week of wrestling with Raw, SmackDown, and SummerSlam. And then on the second half of the episode, you will see Kyle uh, go over his take on wrestling this past week uh, and anything specifically he wants to go over. So you will still be hearing uh, both of us today, um, but just I'll be kicking it off and Kyle will be closing her out. But before we get into uh, what I want to start, which is my main three topics that I want to talk about, um, is Raw, SmackDown, and SummerSlam, is of course... Uh, huge loss in the pro wrestling world today. Uh, I just found out not too long ago that uh, WWE Hall of Famer Harley Race has unfortunately passed away. Um, for those of you, you know, that aren't too familiar with Harley Race, a uh, huge pioneer in the wrestling industry. Um, you know, my, my earliest memories, you know, when I was tape trading um, in the early 90s, I remember, I think it was around 1992, when I was first familiarized with Harley Race, and a lot of the videos that I saw were of the NWA. Uh, Harley had a massive amount of not just high-quality matches, but, you know, taking on um, for the NWA heavyweight title, um, or just whether a title was on the line or not. You know, we're talking about Terry Funk, Dick Murdoch, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and, of course, the American American Dream uh, Dusty Rhodes, and of, as well, the one that I was first familiarized with was the uh, Steel Cage match for the NWA World Title in 1983 at Starcade with uh, Ric Flair. Um, you know, I would honestly, I would just say, if you don't know much about uh, Harley Race, you know, go on the WWE Network, go on YouTube, take a look at them. Uh, some really, 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 really great matches that were way ahead of its time. Uh, he was a great storyteller, you know, a great matchmaker, um, and a huge loss in professional wrestling. So, you know, our hearts here uh, at 613 Wrestling with Kyle and myself, you know, absolutely our condolences to the friends and family of Harley Race. But uh, let's get into things a little bit now. So what I want to do is really kind of um, try a different approach when it comes to talking about, you know, like, for example, this week there was no major pay-per-view and, you know, but talking about WWE specifically, you know, we had Ron Ron Smackdown. I haven't caught up on my NXT yet, but um, what I did was I I took a different approach with taking notes. So I kind of want to try to try this out and let me guys know what you think about it. But essentially, uh, from the open to the close, I'll go over Raw and SmackDown uh, and kind of just kind of give you my take. And the reason why I want to do it this 
do it this way this week is because I personally found both Raw and SmackDown very well done. Um, not everything was a home run, but I would say, you know, definitely a B plus on both ends or an A minus at the very least, you know, at the very least, uh, or I guess B plus would be the very least, but you know what I mean? Um, but no, so of course this four days ago, we had Monday night raw. We kicked off very differently, um, with a 24 seven match. Uh, sorry, a 24-7 championship match, again, with Drake Maverick taking on R-Truth. Um, this one, the stipulation was that the 24-7 aspect of the title was actually put on hold, where the Lumberjacks were around the ring. I don't know if they actually called them jump- Lumberjacks, but essentially you had 20 individuals, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, Titus O'Neil, and many, many others, you know, EC3, uh, lots of individuals who you have seen try to go for the 24-7 championship. Our truth was the victor and new 24-7 champion. Uh, Where the the cool part of the segment was, was, of course, the immediately right after he won, the 24-7 stipulation was put back on. So immediately you saw 20 individuals or so rush the ring, pile on, um pile up on our truth and of course the ref saw that and I guess he kind of saw that our truth is his shoulders were on the mat so they counted to three big question was who's the new champion and then of course you see Mike Kanellis <laughs> the title in arms wiggling his way from in beneath the pile and just beelines it to the back um you know, tried to find a place to hide. He saw the officials, uh, officials locker room, ran in there, locked the door. Um, and of course, everyone's trying to pound on the door to get to him to try to become the 24-7 champion. But then, of course, his wife, Maria, kind of just gets right in the way. Pregnant woman coming through, move out of my way. And of course, you know, the athletes are thinking, well, I don't want to put my hands or hurt someone that's pregnant. So they kind of threw their hands up, walked away from the door. You know, she demanded, Mike, open this door. You know, who is it? It's your wife. How do I know it's my wife? They went a little edgy with Maria this week and essentially said, well, if you don't open this door, I'm going to kick it down and kick you in the vagina. <laughs> it was a, it was a, quite a different edgy take, um, you know, to some of the scripts this week. Um, but I liked it. And, um, obviously, you know, she, he let her, he let her in, closed the door and ended the segment and, what I loved about this open was it was very different. Usually, um, each week with the three hours of Raw, uh, especially, you know, the first, second, and third hour, usually whether it's the opening of the hour or the close of the hour, especially the open of the show and the close of the show, usually are spent with your top individuals. You know, your Romans, your AJ Styles, your Seth Rollins, The Miz, Samoa Joe, you know, and the list goes on and on. But the 24-7, um, you know, kind of division and the whole storyline behind it has been absolutely amazing. I'm loving it. The type of content they're putting out uh, with, you know, the titles going back and forth. Really, it's kind of, without saying it's the hardcore championship, we all know it is. Um, and it's fun, you know, hotel rooms, on airplanes, you know, getting shipped in boxes. It's so crazy where it really opens up, you know, the question, what are they going to do next? What's going to happen next? Um, You know, especially where clearly Drake Maverick wants to consummate his marriage only when he is champion. Um, So that's kind of, once again, a very weird storyline, but different. 
and we love different, something that hasn't been done before. And even though the concept of a 24-7 title has been done before, it hasn't been done in a very, very long time. So it's great to see that, you know, WWE is clearly behind what these guys are doing. And people like Drake Maverick, R-Truth, and everyone else is kind of getting that time. And now Mike Kanellis holding his very first WWE title. Um, which even though it might be on the lower scale, it's one of the hottest storylines right now. So it's great to see him and Maria uh, finally getting in some more, you know, edgy, steamy storylines than we've seen them in their past year at the company. So that was the kickoff of the show. Um, we followed that followed right up with, you know, the second segment was another really, really good one. Of course, they needed to determine who will be the number one contender for AJ Styles uh, and his United States Championship. So we had a gauntlet match, uh, kicking off with Rey Mysterio. Uh, the five individuals were Rey Mysterio, Andrade, Ricochet, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn, winner to go off to SummerSlam and get their title shot. Rey Mysterio kicked it off with a great little match against Cesaro. And I gotta say, if you haven't been paying attention to Cesaro lately, it's really unfortunate that he's not in any specific picture you know, like a Intercontinental or any specific title picture or major storyline. But man, whether it's Aleister Black, it's Ricochet, it's Rey Mysterio, whoever it is, Cesaro, you know, 100% of the time puts on amazing, hard-hitting, gruesome matches. And uh, I really hope to see Cesaro thrive more and more. Um, but man, what a way to kick off this grudge match. Rey is the victor. Then, of course, immediately after, Sami Zayn comes down as the second to join, or the third, I guess, uh, but the second match of the gauntlet, uh, Rey Mysterio, and it's a very hot minute match, Rey Mysterio rolls up, pins Sami Zayn, uh, now Rey is against Andrade in the uh, second last match of the gauntlet, and after a good back and forth, um, Andrade does defeat Rey Mysterio, um, and then they went with an angle that I'm... <laughs> I don't know, and maybe I'm overreacting, but of course, before Ricochet came out to have the finals of the gauntlet being Andrade versus Ricochet, you know, Andrade, Ricochet kind of saved Ray because Andrade ripped Ray's mask, and you saw a good amount of Ray Mysterio's face being exposed. I feel since Ray has been back, or just the several years that Ray has been in and out of WWE, you, I, I think it's just like the second or third time we've seen this where. His mask is ripped, and he's got to cover his face. I guess I just—I always try to think like, well, what's the point? Yes, I know the—I understand the point is t technically being the disrespect um, of the mask, of the the history behind it. Um, but it never really goes anywhere, you know. I try to think way back in the in the late '90s when WCW and I, you know, it was um, Chris Jericho versus Rey Mysterio. And it was for the mask. And Ray lost. And for a good little bit, Ray Mysterio actually wrestled without the mask. So I'm telling you, if you've never seen Ray Mysterio without the mask, not only can you see it online on the WWE Network or on YouTube, um, but he wrestled without it. And, but to see it kind of happen, but it doesn't turn into anything more. Like every time I see the mask be half ripped to anyone, I instantly think, ooh, could this turn into a stipulation? But then it never really does. So it really drives me to think, well, then why rip the mask? Like, why insult if it doesn't going to turn into anything more? Uh, but of course, as the mask was ripped, Ricochet comes down to save Ray, uh, to kind of get Andrade away. You know, it tends to Ray. 
I don't know about you guys, but there was that one point where Ricochet took his vest off. And I was like, oh, <laughs> immediately I thought, he's actually going to give his vest to Ray to cover his face. But then he just kind of throws the vest over Ray <laughs> onto the outside. And I was like, oh, maybe not. But um, I thought that would have been kind of like a nice gesture, but maybe not. But of course, Ricochet versus Andrade. Ricochet with the victory. Um, I liked this one, even though it would have been great to see something different with Cesaro and Andrade and um, heck, even Zayn. What I like about Ricochet winning, and I'm sure many people online, and they have because I've seen it again, but hey, I know Kyle feels the same way in, in a lot of, you know, a lot of aspects. And, you know, me, I'm a big fan of when you have something hot and good, let's, let's get a good long story out of it. So to kind of the continuation of, you know, Ricochet, you know, he beat AJ, lost to AJ, beat AJ, lost to AJ, but now Ricochet has got his way through the gauntlet match to now show I'm still here and I still want my U.S. title back. Um, I think that's great, especially, too, each time AJ and Ricochet go at it, they don't just put on the same match every time. It's it's a uniquely different in some aspect, which can be hard when they're both very big on their high flying and AJ's ability to be technical at the same time. Uh, but I'm excited. I thought that was a great way to have, like, SummerSlam 2019, AJ Styles defending his U.S. championship against Ricochet. You know it's going to be a great match. So I thought that was a really good, uh, really good segment. So after two good segments, we saw uh, Mike uh, with his wife, Maria. And then, of course, Mike is just kind of pandering to his wife. Just be like, baby, you know, you've been telling me to be more of a man. And you've been, you know, you've been telling me to step up. Look, I'm a champion now. Like, it's, you can be proud of me. Our kids can be, can be proud of me. Like, I did it, baby. Um, <laughs> for her to just say, lay down. You know, to just take it away from him. And then kind of like, what do you mean? It's like, I'm going to pin you. Like, I'm going to be the 24-7 champion. This is the shot. Is Mike going to stand up for himself? Is he going to stand up, you know, for himself against his wife that's just been putting him down and humiliating him publicly in the ring and out of the ring? And then, of course, he lies down. One, two, three. Maria Canellis, not just and new 24-7 champion, but first ever 24-7 pregnant champion. Um, so here's the thing. I like it. And I didn't think that I was going to. But once again, here's hear me out on this one. At first when I saw it, I was like, that's stupid. Like I kind of thought last week when like you saw Kelly Kelly and Candace Michelle. And yes, that was for the reunion and for some nostalgia. So fine. That, that's fine. We, we knew the 24-7 championship was going to have hundreds of winners anyways. But at first when I saw it, I kind of put it in that category of like, man, like why? But then she walked out and held the title up and said and bragged, you know, I'm the new champion, first ever pregnant champion. And I'm like, oh, this is stupid. But then she said, no one's going to touch a pregnant champion. Like who's going to attack a pregnant woman? And then it dawned on me. Wow. You know. That, that's true. Who is going to be the one that pins her and takes her from her? Is someone going to step up and put her in her place and not care that she's pregnant? That could be very edgy. Or is it going to be in a very swift way? Maybe while they're in bed at the hotel room one day, Mike just kind of sneaks a ref into the hotel room and quietly just like crash Holly back 20 years ago, quietly one, two, three, you know, and, and pins Maria 
you know, are we going to see that back and forth? Um, I think it's great. And, and the, the main reason why that I think it's great is because I don't know where it's going to go from here. And I love this, something new, something fresh, you know, and especially so far in Raw, we got an open with the 24-7 match, you know, the, the, the craziness afterwards, the pile up, then we had a gauntlet match with five great superstars finding the number one contender, and then we had this. So I thought, you know what, Raw's, man, very different start to Raw, three really solid segments, and uh, where are we going from here? So I was a big fan of it, because it's new, it's different, and it allows me to ask the question, where are they going to go from here? And I don't have the answer to that. And I've always been a big proponent. I know Kyle, you know, looks at it the same way, a lot of the ways that I do, where we want something new and unpredictable, something where we don't know the answer to it necessarily, where we can go, well, I want to tune in next week because I want to know what's going to happen. And this is the type of stuff that's going to, you know, kind of enlighten that type of conversation. So very well done. Of course, then after that, we had a small little segment around Alexa Bliss and, you know, Becky Lynch and a build, you know, towards um, the SummerSlam match with Natalia challenging Becky for the Raw Women's Championship. Had a little moment of bliss, talked about some videos. It, overall, it was a small little segment to kind of overall build the battle between Nikki and Alexa versus Becky and the build for Natty towards Becky. It was well done because they kind of showed some footage behind the scenes when the arena's empty um, and how Becky Lynch kind of came in and, you know, attacked Natalia and, you know, while, while Natalia was trying to show some people how to do a hold. And I thought that was well done because it kind of gave a little bit showing how the feud isn't just in front of your face on while the crowd, excuse me, while the crowd is full or the arena is full. It goes on even outside of this. So I did find that very, it was very small, very simple, but it was very impactful to show like, whoa. Like, Becky's really ticked off in Italia, you know, because even outside of the show, you know, she's willing to, you know, jump on her and attack her and show her that she's the man. Pun intended, by the way. Uh, the next after that, the fifth segment, we had, once again, a really good one. I'm going to consider this five for five so far. Uh, we had a tag team a triple threat for the Raw uh, Men's Tag Team Championship. We had the Usos versus the OC, the original club with Gallows and Anderson, and the Revival, the current champion, uh, champions. I loved this match. I thought it was absolutely great. And here's the reason why. Since a couple of years ago, or about within two years ago, when Braun Strowman beat the bar, Sheamus and Cesaro, for the Tag Team Championship, before then... The tag team division was on fire. It was growing. It was thriving. It was great. Since then, Braun kind of showing that one man can beat any team of two. It's really gone downhill, which is very upsetting because you have such strong tag teams. Revival, you know, Heavy Machinery, Usos, New Day. The list goes on and on. The OC with Gallows and Anderson. With the way that this match went... It was a very good match. I'm telling you, if you if you actually fast-forwarded through the match, um, if you watched it afterwards, I would say give it give it the opportunity. Like, watch the whole match. It was hard-hitting, false finishes. It wasn't even just a great match. It was a fight. And it really felt as if when I was, you know, when I kind of closed my eyes and I think it was, I can feel and see, and I'm watching the Usos doing everything they can to become and, and, you know, and new champions once again. The OC doing everything they can to prove we are a team, 
you know, to be taken seriously. And then the revival doing everything to go, gosh darn it, you know, we've had these titles on and off, on and off, but we are doing everything we can to defend these titles. Um, crazy, crazy moves, especially that one spot uh, near the end of the match where Anderson and Dawson actually took that. And there was a suplex, like not on the top of the rope, but over top of the rope, but the sides of the rope. It was That was very scary, very crazy match, suplex to the outside, where essentially one person suplexed, but both of their heads were near the top rope, and then the suplex kind of continued rolling onto the outside. Absolutely crazy spot. But then after a lot of back and forth, a lot of each team helping their teammates out or helping break the pinfalls, they got the magic killer in and new, the original club, Gallows and Anderson, new Raw Tag Team Champions. And then right after that, the segment right into the back where they were trying to get a word with AJ Styles saying like, hey, oh my God, what do you think? And then he had champagne, food all laid out and it was a celebration, almost like they were, they were anticipating this was going to happen. Then the boys came in, they celebrated, AJ jumped on the table, was super happy for them because now the OC, AJ Styles is US champ, Gallows and Anderson are Raw Tag Team Champions. So... You know, they're all championshiped up right now. And I think the best thing about this segment was not just because I'm a big, you know, um, Gallows and Anderson fan, but I think the cool part about it was that the OC, you know, they won clean. You know, it wasn't just a, yeah, they found a way to win. Like they won, like they won that match. They earned the right to say they are the new, you know, champions. And I always feel that the most dangerous types of heels... Because clearly the OC, the three of them are trying to play or playing that heel. Um, the most dangerous types of heels are the ones that can win every now and then clean, you know, because that's even more to rub it in their face. You know, it, like the baby face can't come back and go, yeah, but yeah, but you interference this or that. It's like, you know, I beat you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You lost to us, the heels. Um, I thought it was great and great match the three of them killed it if anything i thought that that match did the tag team division justice that night so great job to all three of those teams so after that uh, next segment we had a very small little segment of course the viking raiders took on some local talent demolished the local talent i can't even remember what the local talent's names were i don't really think it was too too important um i did try to find it online afterwards and I couldn't um but I think it was just a nice little build a way to see the Viking Raiders without them needing to be in anything and you know majorly serious then of course backstage segment where the Street Profits uh they have never fought on Raw or Smackdown but they're there they are the NXT Tag Team Champions and I kind of like that because we've seen in those documentaries on the WWE Network and you hear in interviews how some of these NXT stars are backstage at, you know, Raw or SmackDown because they want to see the show. They want to kind of watch the matches and be around and learn and grow their knowledge of the business. So we don't need to ask, why are they back there? We know why they're back there because they're part of, they're part of the show. Uh, the, the part of, they're part of the roster in the sense of they work for WWE. But I love how they're kind of tying in some breaking of the fourth wall with just little jabs here and there. And, you know, especially this one kind of leading into a really hyped up Seth Rollins, essentially saying that the whole locker room is behind Seth with really trying to get back at Dolph Ziggler for what he did to Shawn Michaels last week on SmackDown. 
He's going to burn it down. Uh, and then, of course, right after that, we saw Becky Lynch. So this segment, this was one of the few segments that I... Actually, I would probably say the only segment on Raw that I wasn't so crazy about. Becky Lynch versus Alexa Bliss. You know, the thought of that match is great. Because both of these are great, two great talents. After one of the Bexploders, Alexa Bliss um, injures her leg. Referee calls it off. Nikki Cross gets in Becky's face. You know, how about you face me instead? How about you face me instead? They put the match on. Becky beats Nikki clean for Alexa to have faked the injury. Jump and attack Becky. So it's a double team. And then for Natalia to also come out, be a part of the, you know, the scuff, but also get hers on Becky. I just, I guess for me, the main buildup in my eyes is Natalia and Becky Lynch. I feel that Natalia's been doing a really good job at showing aggression, not trying to be the overpleasing, you know, even as a heel, she's hard sometimes, where it's kind of like, she's too nice. You know, it's like, I'm going to beat you up. Uh, but it's like, it's, she's not very convincing in these more demanding, aggressive roles. But she has been doing a good job this time around. I'm excited to see the match. But I just don't know where Alexa and Nikki play a part in all this. I get it. Alexa wants her title back, and she's trying to be relevant in the division, and she wants that shot. But just I don't understand where the faking the injury to face Nikki Cross for Nikki Cross to lose for them to double team. Like you would feel that if the the whole idea was to double team Becky to begin with, that Nikki would have involved herself early in the match and just caused a disqualification. You know, it's I don't know. That one was a little bit I'll. I'm interested to see where it goes and if we do uncover more of why that happened. Or maybe I missed something. Maybe I missed something. And please, guys, let me know if I missed something. But that kind of was a little bit of a question mark for me going like, well, what was the payoff on that? Don't really know. Um, then, of course, right after that, the one of the last backstage segments that we saw were Maria Canellis, a new 24-7 champion, uh, doing a little photo shoot, you know, First pregnant woman, you know, sorry, first pregnant woman, sorry. Uh, first 24-7 pregnant champion, not first pregnant woman ever, imagine. The first ever WWE pregnant woman ever, Maria Canellis. Um, and then, of course, once again, and, one, and if I miss something, but kind of Braun was there, um, why don't you go, you know, like, you're not going to put your hands on me, I'm a pregnant woman. Braun's kind of breathing heavy. You know, it's like, why don't you go show me why you're a monster? And then just kind of nothing from there. If I miss something there, guys, did I miss a Braun Strowman match? Maybe I did. Maybe I went to the washroom. Maybe I was just, I don't know. Maybe I, I missed something there. But uh, I didn't really, once again, I didn't see where that went. And then, of course, on Raw, you had our main event, the last segment. There was two parts of this, this, this last segment. And this was crazy. So no, number one, Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler. Seth is... You know, based off of what he, Ziggler did to HBK last week, Seth is coming in to stand up for Shawn Michaels and to take on Ziggler. Number one, Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler is an amazing match. You know those guys are going to, pun intended, burn it down. Um, but the twist wasn't really the Ziggler match. The twist was Brock Lesnar coming down and absolutely destroying Seth Rollins. Usually whenever we see Brock come down, you know, and kind of get his, it's kind of like maybe one, 
two, three suplexes, um, you know, or like several suplexes and then a couple of F5s. But the destroyed, not just beating the crap out of Seth Rollins, but like the constant F5s on the chair. Like as I was watching it, I felt my ribs hurt, you know, and then kind of the, the blood from the mouth and like the marks on Seth Rollins, um, his ribs. Like as you watched it, you just kind of felt for Seth going like, oh, he just got the manhandled. And, and then big questions come out of this is why is this to put Brock at an edge? Is Brock afraid because Seth beat him clean before? Is Brock afraid? Or is this a way to get Seth out? I know last week we kind of talked about um, the Raw reunion and um, and not just the Raw reunion, but the Raw in general, but within the last two weeks, about how if you're going to do this big 10-man open battle royal for the number one contender for Brock's title, and if it's Seth, why not Seth just invoke his rematch clause? You know, we kind of saw, like, so many people to go, ooh, you know, Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam for the Universal Championship? Maybe. Um, I don't know, is this their way to get Seth out? Or is this the way to kind of like maybe maybe Seth wins and he has more, you know, empathy and sympathy because he's hurt and he has more of a bigger mountain to climb? Or are they replacing him? Are they putting someone else in his place? I don't know. So, but all I know is on the WWE's website, um, when you go to their show segments and you go to SummerSlam, Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar... As the time when I looked a couple of hours ago, it's not even shown as a match online yet, um, which I thought was a little weird. Like, did they take that out on purpose? Or, and then of course you saw the note um, that Seth Rollins has chosen to not disclose uh, or ask WWE not to disclose his medical condition after that attack from Brock Lesnar um, until he has an opportunity to kind of assess more things. You know, is he hiding something? Is he that hurt and he's just trying to figure it out? Is he being, you know, like just stubbornly tough? I don't know. All I know is that the clo open to Raw, the close to Raw, two very different segments, but two crazy segments. I loved Raw from open to close. We had a gauntlet match with great competition. The right man won with Ricochet. We had the opening match highlighting one of the best things on TV right now with the 24-7 championship. Mike Kanellis, Maria Kanellis you know, them being highlighted a little bit more and in term in some different storyline. You know, we have new tag team champions with, you know, the OC beating the Usos and Revival to be the, you know, and new tag, Raw tag team champions. You know, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Nikki Cross. We saw the Viking Raiders. Just so much gone on in Raw. Um, and I, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Um... And just, yeah, I don't know. Just after I watched Raw, I was like, that was different. And I think that would be the the, the key word I would use for Raw on why I liked it, because it was different. If you would have said what would have happened on Monday Night Raw, I wouldn't have known. Like, I would have kind of been like, well, maybe, you know, or, or, I, or I would have been able to predict it, you know. But it would have been nothing necessarily like this. And I thought that was great. So that kind of caps us into the next day where we have, let me, let me get my notes here. 
uh, our next uh, part, of course, the next night on, uh, after Raw on SmackDown Tuesday night, just two days ago, we had SmackDown. Um, so I'll kind of go over SmackDown um, just like I did with Raw, kind of give some point and takers. Of course, SmackDown is only a two-hour show, Raw being a three-hour show. But I'll tell you, SmackDown was quite jam-packed. And it was different where I did enjoy SmackDown. Um, I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as I did Raw, but I'll tell you. I would almost say that I enjoy it equally the same, but for different reasons, if that makes sense. I know that sounds like a cop-out answer, but... Uh, but, of course, we open up um, SmackDown, announcing that, um, you know, right away. And I, and I love the announcement, you know, boom, music is playing. Oh, you know, Shane McMahon is not here tonight. He's not going to be in attendance, so we know that. You know, we got we got the big match, Kofi versus AJ Styles. You know, we got Daniel Bryant, uh, you know, announcing. We have, you know, Roman Reigns announcing his SummerSlam, you know, his SummerSlam plans. And, like, right away it was big announcements because it's like, well, who is Roman going to face at SummerSlam? What is the announcement that Daniel Bryant wants to say but doesn't say? Oh, Shane's not going to be there. So what is Kevin Owens going to do? Um, so, of course, opens up the show. Boom, Kevin Owens comes out and, you know, continues the strong storyline. And I'll tell you, for a Shane McMahon storyline, like, usually it's kind of like, yeah, Shane McMahon, uh, again, yes, yes, you're in a big spot, big match against a big talent. But... Kevin Owens is making this worthwhile because he's using this whole storyline is wrapped around everything us fans feel. No one wants to see Shane. You're in so many segments and you're taking up time for some of this great talent and naming the talent, you know, like especially last week, you know, just last couple of weeks on SmackDown really hitting home. So of course he comes out, of course he wouldn't be here. Um, you know, great build, but then of course um, Drew, Drew uh, McIntyre comes out to interrupt. They have a match. What was crazy here was in my mind when I uh, number one Kevin Owens versus Drew McIntyre, great match. But McIntyre's been on such a tear this last year, and I was like, wow, like I don't know, is it right to put these guys together? Because I almost felt that the way to the, the way they were going to go was that Drew won. Um, whether it be legitimately, which no shame because he's crazy, um, or maybe Shane found his way in and cost Kevin Owens the, the match. But I thought this was a great build for Kevin Owens because not only did he take on Drew McIntyre, um, but then Kevin Owens wins clean. Like, the, I don't know. Like I was so speechless because I didn't think that was going to happen. And I thought that was so good because Drew McIntyre recently has been the measuring stick for a lot. Everyone can lose to Drew and no one, no one is shocked. They're like, yeah, he's, he's the Scottish psychopath. The guy's crazy. Uh, he's big. He's strong. He's uh, resilient. But then for Kevin Owens to beat him and not just, not just beat him, but in a great match too, another fight and Kevin wanting to show like, especially to the show, like, I can beat your boy, McIntyre, I can beat you, Shane. You know, that was a really big statement, and I thought that was a great way to kick off SmackDown. Um, then, of course, we had Ziggler, little Ziggler segment, um, you know, really kind of recapping everything that happened with HBK and The Miz the previous week. Um, and I thought that, you know, once again, and, and Kyle made a really good comment last week on the show where, 
you know, in or the last couple of weeks on the show where it kind of really indicating, you know, we've seen Ziggler in and out so much recently, but for finally, for once in a long time, Ziggler has a point. We all love Shawn Michaels, but it's kind of like, come on. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. Like, we get it, we get it, we get it. And it's kind of like, man, like Ziggler's playing the heel, but... He's, he's kind of saying a lot of the things that we're thinking about. Don't get me wrong. Shawn Michaels, one of my favorite, he was my favorite wrestler as a kid. And in my mind, he's one of the best of all times. But like, it's, it's so conflicted when the heel says things that you're kind of like, damn it. He's, he's not wrong, you know? And, and I thought that was a very interesting place to be in, um, so yeah, so they built that a little bit more. Of course, this is what this segment is and what last week's segment is leading to The Miz versus Ziggler at SummerSlam, which has been announced now. Because, um, of course, it happened on Miz TV, and I think this is going to be the ultimate, you know, Kofi, you know, um, sorry. Uh, Ziggler. Seth Rollins, wow, sorry, guys. Uh, Seth Rollins, just the previous night on Raw, you know, kind of defended HBK's honor. Uh, and now The Miz is going to do so at the pay-per-view. So I thought that was a neat little continuation buildup over the last couple of weeks. And it's nice to see something different that Ziggler's in. Then, of course, we had the build towards uh, Bailey and Ember Moon, as um, they're going to be you know, taking on each other at SummerSlam. Um, but of course, they had, you know, their backstage segment, you know, recapping the last couple of weeks. Um, of course, you know, with the whole, especially the previous week with the whole thing with Charlotte and Bailey and Ember Moon and just kind of like the back and forth button. What we had th this night is uh, Ember Moon and Bailey actually teaming together against Alexa Bliss and uh, Nikki Cross. Once again, kind of throws me for a loop for Raw where Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss are beating up Becky Lynch for the title. Like, it's very... It almost just seems like... And this is another reason why I hate this not-so-split-of-a-brand split. And it just, you gotta, you gotta stay true to it. And you have to stay true to the brand split and, or it will never work. Because I don't know... I don't even know which brand anyone's on anymore. What brand's Roman on? I'm pretty sure it's SmackDown. Um, you know, Alexa Bliss, I don't know which brand she's on. I, I can't remember. I'd have to really go to the website and look. But uh, but I think if they're not doing this brand split stuff anymore, I think they need to really just announce that. But I know they are. And they just need this no more four or five person wild card rule stuff. Sorry, guys. Just that when you're doing a brand split, you need to be true. Both shows need to be different in their own ways and you need to be true for when that time does come maybe once a year out of Survivor Series when they do face. Like, for example, all of this wildcard stuff is going to lead to a Survivor Series match, Raw versus SmackDown, but it's going to it's gonna be so much more meaningless because you're going to go, whoa, representing SmackDown, Roman Reigns. Well, but I, I see him on Raw all the time, and or, you know, or vice versa, or whoever the talent is. So that's where I just think my hope is Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff can kind of, and I know Eric is very, very, very strong uh, believer of the brand split working and making sure that you truly split the brands and no one goes on anyone's show. So my hope is that they can kind of get back to that very soon. But anyways, good match with Moon and Bailey versus Alexa and Nikki. Uh, of course, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross wins. 
Um, Bailey had the last say with everything else with Ember Moon, kind of getting that last little laugh in. Um, and it's funny, you're, they're trying to go with Bailey as a little bit more of the edgy champion and an edgy character in general, more with like she's not going to take, you know, you know, crap from anyone, and Ember's not going to be the person, and kind of I chose you, you didn't earn. You know, it's a different take on Bailey. Um, I'm interested to see the long term where this kind of goes because I think this whole flip flop of Bailey, what kind of character is she? Is she happy? Is she a heel? Is she a baby face? Is she, as everyone says, like that stone cold attitude, like she's a baby face with attitude, or she's not a heel or a baby face? I don't know. But once again, I think that's going to be a good match, Bailey and Ember Moon, but it just really asks. Where is the SmackDown's women division in? Because it's a little all over the place recently. Uh, we had a Sami Zayn backstage segment. Really looking like it's a build towards a match with Aleister Black. Uh, Zayn really just kind of, you know, insulting Black. That, you know, he kind of just sits in the back and just talks crap about people. And just wants to fight, but he's never fighting. And, you know, just a little segment there. Then, of course, the big announcement. Daniel Bryan, what's he, what's, what, what has he got to say? What is the big announcement? Daniel Bryan, you know, returning from, uh, you know, years of, you know, having his, you know, being, being essentially retired to now being back to being champion. Uh, he's a heel, you know, now he's tag team champion. Now he's no longer tag team champion, but now he's got a big announcement. Week after week, he's kind of come out held the mic to his mouth, and then walked away and given us nothing. And this week was just as that. You know, kind of seemed like he was going to announce something, but didn't. Um, I guess the question I got for you guys is, what do you think it is? You know, I saw someone online, or a couple of things online actually saying that apparently, um, what is it? Um, to compete with AEW, um, WWE is trying to get NXT off of the WWE network and put it on FS1 because SmackDown is going to Fox and FS1 is another channel that Fox owns that they put a lot of different sports on and they're, so they're trying to get NXT to um, to FS1. Apparently, rumor has it that 205 Live is being closed, like they want to just kind of diminish the brand, but move all the superstars from there. Uh, where if they don't have a home for them on the main roster, actually bring them to NXT, which can be very tough, but, you know, especially if there's people who've been in 205 Live for a while, but they want to put them, so kind of saying NXT and 205 Live will combine, but the rumor is, is that Daniel Bryant is going to 205 Live to conquer the talent there, or his take is he thinks 205 Live has some of the best talent and he wants to show... Um, but then, so Daniel Bryant will go to 205 Live, NXT and 205 Live will combine, and that will be the way that Daniel Bryan goes on NXT to battle against AEW when they're on FS1. So I know that's very loaded and crazy and confused, and that's a lot of things to happen for that to happen, and I don't know if that's going to happen, but that was one of the, the interesting notes that I saw online to what the announcement will be. Now, I don't know... If, if that is the announcement, which I don't think it is, really, but if it is, uh, I don't know why he needs to continuously walk away and not say anything week over week. Like, it almost just seems like it might be, or maybe it is, I don't know, maybe it's he thinks it's a demotion. 
you know, I don't want to be on the main roster anymore. I'm going to 205 Live, where maybe the people can appreciate me. I don't know, but either which way, I ask you guys the question. Kyle, I ask you as well, where do you, what do you think the announcement is? I have no clue. Then, of course, we had the return of King's Court on SmackDown. Jerry the King Lawler uh, hosting his, uh, I think it's been a while since we've had a King's Court, but Trish Stratus, you know, WWE Hall of Famer, uh, was the guest of the night. Of course, what this kind of turned into was egos versus egos. Charlotte Flair came down and challenged Trish, kind of said, you know, and it's funny, kind of acting as if like, you know, you come in and out, but you never, you never wrestle. Why you no wrestle? Um, But like within the last year and a half, we've seen Trish be in the female Royal Rumble. You know, we've seen Trish be back maybe a small handful of times. Um, So it hasn't been that long since she hasn't been in the ring. Uh, But of course, at the end of the day, egos head, you know, butting heads, Trish saying you wouldn't be here and there wouldn't be a division if it wasn't for me. Now we have Trish Stratus versus Charlotte Flair at SummerSlam. Don't know why. I really don't have so much to comment on it. Um, do I think it'll be a great match? Sure, I think Trish still has it. Um, but I think I would have loved to have seen it more than just... Because it was it, Trish gave it up so easy. You know, like almost like, why are you here? You don't got it anymore. It's like, oh, I see what you're trying to do. And then it just kind of worked. So I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Um, I think it's. I think it'll be a great match. I just don't. Is that just a filler for Charlotte? And while Becky and everyone else and Bailey does their thing, or I guess what, what what does Trish get out of this? What does Charlotte get out of this? I don't know. But or maybe this is one of those moments where we just need to not overthink and maybe just let this match happen and enjoy it for what it is. You know, maybe that's the way we need to take this one too. You know, we do get Trish Stratus back, and it's of course. And actually, I just remembered now, SummerSlam is in Toronto, Toronto, Canada. Uh, Trish is from Toronto, Canada. Um, Toronto, Canada is just five hours away from where we are here. Kyle, why are we not going? I feel like that was a miss. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways. Um, but yeah. All right. So we have Danny Bryan announcement, King's Court. Um, and then, of course, a little segment, the OC. Uh, the original club celebrates all being champions once again. Brand twisty turny. It all happened a lot. You know, the night before on Raw, where the OC, you know, Carl, um, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson became the new Raw Tag Team Champions, and now they just have a little segment on SmackDown that they're all champions. So once again, brand confusion. Uh, and then next up, we actually had what I was hoping for. Not just hoping for for that night, but just in general, where we had a Firefly Funhouse. A small little segment. Because I was, I, I, I said it last week, uh, I believe I said it last week, or at least I was, I was thinking about it last week. Um, now that Bray the Fiend is back, you know, on Raw and back on the main roster uh, and, you know, attacking people and has a, fa- a match against Finn Balor at SummerSlam. I would love to still see segments of him out of the gimmick, you know, with just him with his cardigan on, his his sweater on, and just kind of, you know, being a weird, you know, I guess demonic version of himself. And that's exactly what it was. It was really kind of him being there just laughing and, you know, my secret's out and he's out and he's here. Um, I thought it was very short, you know, as short as it needed to be straight to the point. Um, if you're not going to have Bray on the show, 
Um, it's great to just have Bray on the show in some way. So you got a little bit of Firefly Funhouse just to remind you, The Fiend is back, Bray is here, you have something to look forward to. Um, then of course, yeah, then, like I said, um, on Raw, they had a little digital update for Seth. Uh, Seth has asked WWE to not release his condition currently, uh, so it's really TBD to see what's going to happen with his match against Brock. Um, then of course we had Dolph Ziggler versus Finn Balor. Uh, Ziggler does win, um, where, oh my goodness, what am I talking about? I'm sorry, guys. I just said by not having Bray on the show, and I knew this. You know, Bray was on the show, of course. So with Ziggler versus Balor, um, you know, it was a great little match. Um, but of course, Ziggler wins due to, you know, the distracted by the darkness with Bray. Um, so I shouldn't say that Bray was there necessarily, but the kind of the ominous. So I wasn't wrong. Sorry. I know I'm kind of jumping back and forth here, but he wasn't there, but we saw him in the Firefly Funhouse. So we got to see him there, but we didn't see him in Ziggler versus Balor, but his presence was there. There we go. I think that makes more sense. Um, but of course, yeah, you know, it's once again, it doesn't take any steam away from anyone. Balor can lose because of Bray, but, it, you know, Balor doesn't lose any steam, uh, and it just kind of hypes even more and more to the SummerSlam match they're going to have. Um, then, of course, we had Ali versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, you know, very aggressive, very aggressive match. You know, what I took from that match was very much um, Ali trying to prove a point in everything. Because, of course, his story is well documented. It was supposed to be Ali that won the gauntlet that Kofi did to go on to WrestleMania that Daniel Bryant, you know, in, in the Daniel Bryant match, potentially. And it didn't happen because of Ali's injury. Now Ali's kind of been a steady Eddie, great matches. So it looks like he's found a little spot here where Ali did win based off a roll-up. Um, it wasn't necessarily, like, officially announced, but that was a clear indication where it looks like Ali is going to take on Shinsuke for the Intercontinental Championship at SummerSlam. Um, definitely a good little match, though. Uh, but at the same time, I, I ask you, you know, I ask you guys as well: Is it too soon to take the title off Nakamura? You know, or is it too early for Ali to be losing all these championship matches? I don't know. I think it's 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 a hard spot for for any of these great talents that need to be built back up, especially Nakamura. He's gotten a lot of heat lately for not being, quote-unquote, the king of strong style, but that kind of depends on who you talk to. You know, I like Shinsuke. I like the style he has. Um, if you've watched his style in New Japan, it's very aggressive that maybe doesn't transition to WWE TV or WWE style. So, I don't know. It's just Nakamura just kind of, he just, he just won the belt is it time to take it off him? And I almost feel it's going to hurt Nakamura if you take it off him that quick. Unless this is the beginning of a couple of month storyline, you know, and or several matches between Ali and Nakamura going back and forth. Then maybe we're talking about something different where there can be a, you know, no, I need this title because I need to prove. No, I need this title because I need to prove. Know what I mean? So that was a good little segment there. And then, of course, we had um, the last two segments. So second last segment, we was Co so the last match of the night was Kofi Kingston uh, taking on AJ Styles. And that was a fight. Absolutely a fight. Um, very solid back and forth. 
everyone kind of brawling and having their peace in near the end. Uh, Kofi wins, and I liked how they did it, where it was enough inclusion from the new day with Xavier and Big E and Carl and Ander, you know, Carl and uh, Gallows to kind of say not just one person won clean, but it was who got the last laugh that night. Um, you know, lots of false finishes, lots of kickouts, lots of close calls. Kofi winning, I thought, was the right thing to do because Kofi being strong is very important right now, especially seeing as how, um, you know, and I'm really liking it, Orton is the contender for Kofi at SummerSlam because I feel there's a beautiful, long history that stems not just from recently, but, you know, 10 years ago. Um when Orton was the champion and Kofi, I think this was back in 2009, 2010, when Kofi was a young up-and-comer and, you know, Orton was giving him a hard time and, you know, beating him and Kofi couldn't get his and Orton was the man and was on top of the world and everything else. So, but no, I thought that was very, very well done for a close because really there's no, there's history with Styles and Kofi, but... It just made sense. You know, we're, we're, we're getting towards SummerSlam. You know, let's just get these two champions to, to go, go at each other while they also build their storylines. While Ricochet and AJ can be over here and Orton and Kofi can be over here. Let's just put on a hell of a match to close the show. Uh, so I liked it. And then, of course, the very last piece and last segment of SmackDown was the Roman Reigns announcement. Where he was going to announce his plans for SummerSlam. Right as he's about to announce it, there was a massive black caged barricade that fell on him. Apparently, it kind of it it just missed him, but it kind of spooked him and still like apparently it didn't really squish squish him, but it, it got him enough. He was kind of distorted. Roman, are you okay? And then it just kind of finished the show, so we didn't really get the announcement. I'm feeling that that's going to be built to. Um, the SummerSlam match for Roman. Clearly someone made that happen. And whoever that is will be Roman's um, opponent at SummerSlam. So once again, I throw the question back to you guys. Who do you think that is? Braun Strowman? Hmm? I don't know. Uh, can be a lot of people. The Undertaker, maybe? Hmm. Is it someone up and coming? Is it someone returning? I think it can be, it, there's so many options. So as... Weird as it was, because it was a night filled with two announcements being stifled, where Daniel did not make his announcement, and Roman didn't get a chance to make his announcement, uh, or his plans for SummerSlam. But I thought overall, once again, Raw, really solid. SmackDown overall, we got a Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon build. A big Kevin Owens, um, you know, huge, like I guess a... Like a huge win and a huge growth for Kevin Owens, defeating Drew uh, McIntyre clean. We talked more about Ziggler, The Miz, HBK, Bailey and Ember Moon, Alexa and Nikki kind of got their time to build things more. Sami Zayn looks like he's building towards Aleister Black. Daniel Bryan is teasing the announcement to us more and more. We now have Trish Stratus coming back in Toronto against Charlotte at SummerSlam. Uh, we have the OC, the original club, with AJ. Uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows rubbing it in everyone's faces that the OC are all champions at the same time. Got a little Firefly Funhouse. We had Bray causing Finn Balor a match against Ziggler to kind of build their SummerSlam. We had Ali shocking the world and pinning the Intercontinental Champion Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, and then we had a great match 
you will always have a great match with AJ Styles versus the champ, uh, Kofi Kingston, where we kind of saw the New Day and the OC, and then, of course, ending the show with a big mystery on who attacked Roman Reigns. Um, so, yeah, Raw and SmackDown, two big thumbs up for me, guys. Kyle, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to be wrapping up this podcast in a few minutes. Uh, I wanted to kind of keep it not too, too long, but because uh, I kind of get a little ranty, you know me, when I'm alone. Um, but I would just say, what do you guys think? What was your thoughts of Ron SmackDown? You know, was like, um, not necessarily in a right or wrong way, but, you know, did you enjoy it as much as I did? Did I miss something? Um, or just purely, what was your take? Did you like something that I liked? Did you not like something I liked? You know, and where do you think certain things are going? All right, so what have we got here? So yeah, so last part, let's just kind of, you know, quickly look at SummerSlam and where we currently have it right now. So what we do know is Kofi Kingston will be defending his WWE Championship against Randy Orton. Like I said before, great match. Makes sense. It was an easy way for Kofi to go, who do you want to face? I want to face Orton because... Ten years ago, when I was an up-and-comer and Orton was on top of the world, he wouldn't give me my chance. He wouldn't He wouldn't do me a favor, you know, and, and I kept losing to him and he made it hellacious for me. So now that I'm on top and I'm so much better than I am, so much better now than I was before, I'm going to show the world that I'm better than Randy Orton. And then, of course, Randy Orton's going, perfect. I get a title shot and I'll do what I've done many times before and beat Kofi Kingston. I love it because when you, it's so, the video packages, the story is so easy to tell because there's such history. Brock and Seth, big question mark, is it going to happen? Is someone else going to replace Seth? Um, Or is Seth going to have a huge, much larger mountain to climb against Brock with a big injury on those ribs? And if Seth is replaced... Who is he going to be replaced by? We got a Kevin Owen quits if he can't be in Shane McMahon match. That's a big statement. Um, or is it the loser quits? But I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Owen quits if he can't beat Shane. I almost feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I almost feel like it should be loser resigns or quits or no longer wrestles. I think that would be easier to kind of get Shane out. We do know we have The Miz uh, versus Dolph Ziggler. Of course, The Miz wanting to get back at Ziggler for, you know, super kicking the legend, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, on Miz TV. We know we have Charlotte taking on Toronto's own Trish Stratus, WWE Hall of Famer and several-time women's champion. We do know we have Becky Lynch defending her Raw Women's Championship against Natalia. We have Ricochet, after winning the gauntlet match this past Monday on Raw, um, taking on AJ Styles for his U.S. championship. We know we have The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, coming back in his first match in quite some time against Finn Balor. How many matches is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches. Eight matches. So, and unless I'm missing something, but eight matches so far, we still have some questions. Who's Roman going to be facing at SummerSlam? That's nine. Um, is the Raw and or SmackDown Tag Team Championship be on the line? That can be 10 or 11 if they both are, or maybe one is and one isn't. Um, and I feel we're going to see Ali get his shot against Shinsuke Nakamura for the Intercontinental Championship. So that could be 11 or 12. 
if only one of the tag team championships are defended? Are we going to see um, the Cruiserweight Championship defended? You know, that can be 13. What else? I'm pretty sure we'll probably see a 24-7 segment. So if not a match, a segment. So that can be 14 on its own. We'll, we'll consider the segment a match. What else we got? What am I missing, guys? Huh. I'll have to go. I'll have to charge my tablet and go back online after uh, uploading this. But but no, I think really SummerSlam looks quite stacked. Now the only thing is it's not even fully developed yet, and we're potentially at fourteen, you know, thirteen ma- thirteen fourteen matches and or segments, you know, included. That can be for a really long night, and I think they just really need to be careful. So maybe if the tag team chain, I think. If the tag team championships don't have a full, you know, like maybe the OC defend against Revival or the Usos. But I think if there's no major need, then you can leave it out. But anyways, guys, that's it for me. I'm going to close off. After this, you're going to hear Kyle. Kyle, over to you. Well, thanks, Mark. Yes, this is Kyle here. Um, thanks very much for keep listening to 613 Wrestling's podcast. Uh, Mark broke down his thoughts and views on Raw and SmackDown and the lead up to SummerSlam. So I thought I would take the opportunity to share my views. And just like Mark said, unfortunately, as goes life, uh, so was our ability to meet up at the same time to record together. But thankfully, through the magic of technology... We can put together a show, and uh, you both get to hear us. So that being said, I thought I would take the opportunity, break down Raw, break down SmackDown, highlight a couple of other things that I thought would be interesting to note, and uh, and then close up shop for the night. So uh, let's get to it. Kind of wanted to just go through some of the events in Raw, give my thoughts and opinions, but before I do that, I did want to follow up on Mark's B-side of You're Fired, I found it interesting, actually, that a lot of the people that Mark would also uh, get rid of, I, I thought the same way. Um, some of the other people that I didn't list, it was merely because I only picked 10. I certainly would have canned most of the ones that Mark had chosen as well. Um, the only exception is, is I think, you know, Curtis Axel is not somebody that I would bring back. I think as time has come, I think there's a lot better younger talent that uh, they deserve that opportunity. <clears throat> that being said, uh, you know, it was it was fun to be able to try and do this and take the time to share our thoughts about the roster. And I, I, I'd like to take the opportunity down the road and, and may hopefully maybe next week with our SummerSlam preview, uh, we'll be able to do more of it. But because uh, I do have some some things in the works that I'd like to try with Mark. Um, but obviously, it's a little more fun when we're together. So that being said, um there's that. And the only other thing I was I was joking with Mark. Uh, he does a fantastic and not so fantastic uh, job at impressions. <laughs> um, while he may have been right in terms of what I was thinking, uh, I certainly don't really sound like that. But uh, hey, Mark, you keep trying that and we'll see how it goes. Um, and just to follow up, you know, I don't really have an opinion necessarily or that strong of one on who should or shouldn't be in the uh, Hall of Fame. Does Rikishi need to be in there? I have no idea. I still prefer him as the part of the head triggers. Um, or whatever their team was when they first came in. But, uh, you know, 
if you're going to put Goldberg in the Hall of Fame, I'm not up for it. There's a couple of names that are missing. Obviously, one is the obvious Owen Hart. That's a totally different story. There's a lot more backstory to that. But, you know, until Christian gets in the Hall of Fame, I don't care. I, it, it doesn't make sense to me. The Hall of Fame has no rhyme or reason. It seems to be just what Vince wants. So, um, you know, I'd much rather have, it'd be nice to have really cool to actually have a voting uh, from the current members of the Hall of Fame that are still alive. That would be a neat way of doing it. Um, I also would like to see more of referees. Um, despite what people may think, they have held a huge role in not only how the matches play out in terms of getting the communication between the two wrestlers, but just some of the storylines. Uh, Tim White, um, obviously uh, Mike, <coughs> who's still in <laughs> in the ring these days. Earl Hebner, which is a different story because of the lawsuit and whatnot but i still think that it'd be nice to see that so that being said that was just my side notes on, on mark's feedback um from his thoughts and views um but like i said i'd like to do more of it so hopefully there'll be an opportunity in the future and now back to raw uh i am i am liking this brock lesnar right off the hop i do like brock lesnar as he's we're seeing him more often he is the guy we should all be afraid of yes you know the seth rollins is a bit of old news, but if he's going to do this, you know, I'm okay with it as long as, and if Brock is going to go into SummerSlam and he's going to win, <clears throat> I'm all for it as long as he keeps showing up. Um, I do think maybe there might be a switch though. I feel like the Universal might go to Fox with Brock and whoever wins the WWE Championship will come to Raw. Um, so that way they can really push SmackDown on Fox with a bang and Brock is one of those guys. But all in all, I thought it was a really good idea. Uh, it was really interesting to see how Paul Heyman is trying to seem like he's losing control of Brock, uh, which is good. I think it shows how dangerous Brock really is. Um, and so, that, you know, so there we go from there. <clears throat> then we had, uh, you know, the Samoan Summit, um, which, you know, was what it was. Um, I'm really kind of it'd be interested to see a Roman Reigns Samoa Joe match. Maybe there is some sort of true, in fact, Samoan heritage type um, stipulation that would be, you know, I think different and, and new. Uh, so I'd be up for seeing that. Um, and I know we had the, you know, the Usos in and Cedric Alexander getting involved, the OC, Drew McIntyre. Um, I, I don't want to see a massive tag match at SummerSlam. I'd like to see the ones that are. Um, you know, regular matches. I don't like when you see eight or nine, ten guys. Um, it just ends up being a cluster, and you don't really get a good sense of um, how everything should be. And these guys don't really get those opportunities because it just you're trying to get through everything, and uh, and off we go. <clears throat> um, we also had a little bit, obviously, more twenty four seven, which um. I think is good and bad. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's really hit and miss as to what you're going to get out of it. This one was definitely interesting. We had the mixed tag match. Um, it's nice. I've never seen Renee in, in the ring. That's Cedric uh, Maverick's wife. Um, so it was, it's nice to see her taking a more, a, a bigger role instead of just being the person that stands next to Drake. Again, 
when you have our tr- truth of Drake, those are the headliners of the twenty four seven. Anybody else involved, uh, at least at the time, was kind of unimportant. All those guys that are running around. I love that Mike Canellis won a belt. I'm really a big fan of Mike Canellis or Mike Bennett, depending on who you want to talk about. Um, and then it was, you know, further proving that you have Maria take over as the champion. So it'll be interesting to see how they play this off with Maria being pregnant. I have a sinking suspicion that Mike will come back and take the belt back while she's sleeping or something like that. But, you know, hopefully it produces some good television. Uh, but speaking of Drake Maverick, I was reading on Twitter and there was a fantastic segment um, <laughs> with uh, with him and uh, talking about Maria Canellis. Um, you know, he says that I have no shame, no remorse, no fear. I will pin a pregnant woman to become 24-7 champion again. Yes, I have tweeted that, which, which we thought was great. And, uh, and then, you know, his wife had a response, which I, I thought was, was brilliant. And so for me, you know, while I search for the exact wording of the response, I, I really appreciate, um, the way they are doing this with, you know, when WWE gets it right with their Twitter, um, that it, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, you can really utilize it to up your game. What I definitely have a hard time with is when they're utilizing it, but then don't really utilize it. Um, you know, sometimes they'll end up having um, the storylines don't really cross. And, and then you have, you know, your your realism. So it's uh, it's tough to play off it. But oh, here it is. Um, <laughs> Renee Michelle responded to the post by uh, Drake Maverick. Uh, oh, so you'll get on top of a pregnant one for three seconds, but not your wife, which I thought was fantastic. It's the right. That's the right thing. We're playing up the storyline that he still hasn't consummated his marriage. And this is the proper use of Twitter that really gets the story going even further. And I, and I think it's fantastic the way they're doing this. Um, <clears throat> so then we had uh, the gauntlet match to see who's going to face Summer, uh, AJ Styles at SummerSlam. Um, I really enjoyed the um, who was involved. I think this is your cream of the crop of your second tier wrestlers. Um, I, I'll be an, a fan of Andrade to the end. While I was a little disappointed with Ricochet, it's kind of the Seth Rollins thing too, because I feel like they could have done the storyline differently if you were going to continue having Ricochet go for the title. Um, but even still, I mean, Cesaro's involved, Sami Zayn's involved, so there's been some some really great matches, and uh, you know, it's something to be said, and, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit further with it on um, the SmackDown segment. But we're getting some really solid matches that are pay-per-view worthy matches, but they're on regular television. So it's nice to see them bring that back. You know, we had the Seth Rollins versus Dolph Ziggler, which, you know, was interrupted by Brock, but you know, those are two really great in-ring guys. And, and for fans of actual wrestling, this is what we want to see. We want to see these guys. We want to see them get involved. We want to see them do more. Um, Raw tag team championship, another fantastic match. You have the Good Brothers, the Usos, and the Revival all together. Three of my favorite tag teams out there. Um, you know, throw in the North, and those are probably the top four of my favorite anywhere in the world. Um, and so to see those three go at it and to see the Good Brothers win, which is a really nice change, really happy to see that. I think the three teams there can really run with this division and uh, and don't really need anything else. I think there's there's a ability to move around and play with it. Um <clears throat> 
you know, then we had a, another segment of moment of bliss. This was probably my only really disappointment of the, of raw was when you had this moment of bliss. I just, it's too much every week. It's the same stuff. It doesn't really get anywhere. It doesn't really do anything. So I would certainly rather see anything else other than this. Um, and then it led into a match between Alexa Bliss and Becky Lynch and then Nikki Cross and this, that, and the other. So, I mean, at least they're keeping Alexa Bliss in the conversation, even though she's not going for the belt, which is important. Uh, I think it's a great look for Natalia to try and show that she's not going to let Becky get away with whatever Becky wants. Um, so we'll see how this match goes. Will we get the submission match for the title? You know, I'm sure we'll find out in the in the coming days uh, to see what's going to happen. And then obviously the show ended, uh, or the segment ended, one of the other segments ended with Braun Strowman talking to Maria Canellis. So, you know, I'll be interested to see what happens there. Uh, and then Viking Raiders. Like, I just, I feel like they need to turn heel. Um, and then you just start destroying legitimate tag teams. Otherwise, what's the point of them? Um, they were great in NXT. Maybe they are just an NXT branded tag team. And that's as far as they really fit. I don't know. I guess it really depends on the writers. So, I mean, that kind of sums up the old raw recap i mean i could swing into a, a break but we'll just keep this ball rolling um smackdown was another strong one you know we have kind of breaking down some of the events they talked at the very beginning with roman gonna say who he's gonna challenge we have to wait till the end of the episode to find out um and then this mysterious event happens but what's really interesting is there's lots of possibilities for who this may be so hopefully you know, come this upcoming Tuesday before SummerSlam, not only do we get who it is, but we get a reason why. Just so that whatever match it is, is going to be a solid, you know, solid one. Could be Braun Strowman, could be Samoa Joe, Daniel Bryan's name gets thrown out there. Um, there's definitely some big names that it's a possibility. So I'm really excited to see kind of where this comes, as long as the match ends up being a solid match. Uh, that's all that matters. Tris Stratus makes her appearance again on Jerry Lawler's King's Court kind of a weird, awkward interaction with Charlotte Flair where Charlotte is going to now, you know, challenges her. And again, I'm not a big fan when you have these individuals who are kind of, well, not kind of, they are, they're not past their prime so much as they are moved on to another chapter of their lives, kind of come back and it just... And it, and it kind of goes to what Mark was talking about with the uh, Raw reunion and, and, you know, the nostalgia. And nostalgia is great. It's fine. Everyone loves, you know, throwback jerseys, throwback hats, you know, Heritage Classic games, all this stuff. But if, if we look at wrestling and the way it tries to make itself mainstream at like a sporting event, you're not going to have... A ma you know, a one-on-one -on -one game between LeBron James and Bill Russell. Or you're not going to have a, ma you know, a one-on-one, -on -one, I don't know if hockey does one-on-ones, I suppose it's possible, you know, between Sidney Crosby and Mark Messier. Like, yes, you can appreciate these guys for the talent that when they were in the ring, but they are not those people anymore. So you, it's not a dream match if both of them aren't at the top of their game. There's rumors that Bill Goldberg is going to be wrestling at SummerSlam. My God, I hope that doesn't happen. He's a disaster, was a disaster before. But Tristranus, as great as she looked at in the Rumble and as great as she looked in Evolution, what does this do for Charlotte? It doesn't gain her anything. And I think 
the SmackDown women's title is suffering because there is no identity beyond Bailey having it, and we don't even know what kind of person Bailey is. Charlotte and Asuka should be having that belt. They should be fighting for that belt. It makes more sense for them. This kind of match, I just don't feel like does anything for anybody, uh, especially if it ends up being embarrassing. Um, so I know I talked about it Raw with these three matches. Kevin Owens versus Drew McIntyre was a phenomenal match. We're so lucky to be able to see this on on, on a regular weekly episode, which is fantastic. And they both put on a great match. I think both guys deserve to be in that championship conversation. And I'm loving the two of them together in the ring. And I'm loving the Kevin Owens take on the Stone Cold Steve Austin fight the man. Um, Dolph has confirmed a match against The Miz SummerSlam. I'm not sure where this is going to go. I don't know if I really have an opinion yet. We'll see how next week happens. Uh, Aleister Black is back in his room waiting for his next um, opponent. This is just such an awkward position that he's in. Should he, like, what are we doing with him? What's, Aleister Black was great in NXT. He, he didn't really have strong mic skills, and but he didn't, NXT, you don't have to because it's only an hour. The show's an hour a week. And so that's like, what, three match, three or four matches in a, in a couple of segments. And all he used to do is just go out kicking people and everyone loves it. But now he comes on the main roster and it's just not clicking. And I don't know what it'll take for him to really get over but I just don't feel like him sitting in a Stardust-styled prison uh, is going to work. However, we do get a match with Sami Zayn out of this. So I think this is definitely uh, something worth seeing. I mean, I I like Sami Zayn in the ring. I think he's the ability to put on really good matches. So this one's, you know, like the Alistair Cesaro match from before. It's one you want to see, even if there's no other storyline behind it. Um, and... Uh, we get a little bit more of The Fiend versus Finn Balor, who The Fiend interrupting Finn's match with Dolph, causing him the loss. I'm okay with this. I still think the Firefly Funhouse is some of the best stuff out there. And I thought it was another great segment. I would I wish still, though, that they played more on the split personality, um, the Yowie Wowies and the overly positive Bray Wyatt. Um, but I will say he looks good, even in his sweater combo. He looks fit, and he looks like he's going to do some damage. So we'll see how this goes. And, uh, you know, the last thing I kind of wanted to cover in terms of storylines from SmackDown uh, was a couple of things. One, we get to see Ali back in the ring, another underutilized guy. He's been kind of bad case of injuries. I don't really get the caped Crusader promos, but defeat Shinsuke... Um, I think that Ali is somebody that we really should be seeing more often. Even though he was a cruiserweight, he had the rise, then the Kofi thing came in. But I think we should see more of Ali. And his name is Mustafa Ali. I don't care what Vince says. Go back to calling him Mustafa Ali. Everyone knows that people can have two names. And uh, and then Randy Orton. This Randy Orton-Kofi Kingston story is super interesting because it brings back the old feud. And this was before me. Well, actually, I guess it was after I started watching it before I started watching it again. Uh, I know it involved um, a race car uh, where Kofi accidentally kicked through the window. Um, this is, I mean, I'm in it. I'm all on, on it. I mean, I've always, I'm, I'm always hit and miss with Randy Orton 
do I like to see him? Do I not like to see him? Where do I get with him? And I just feel like this is one of those ones that hits. There is a history there, but it's not complete. And so this allows us to complete this. I don't want to see Kofi with the belt anymore. I really do feel like somebody else needs to be it. I just don't think Randy is the guy. But hey, if this is going to bring in bring it the best of them, then I'm all for it. And then we got to see what we're going to do. And then, crazy enough, New Day get involved in with the quote-unquote OC, the original club, the only club that matters, whatever they want to call it, the club. Um, so they're kind of in the mix with a lot of places, and it's super interesting to see. You know, again, we got another match, solid match between Kofi and AJ, two of the top guys in the, in the company. Again, not on a pay-per-view. Super okay with this. But... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Eric Bischoff running SmackDown, how Paulie Dangerous, Paul Heyman is running Raw. When we see these superstars crossover, like there's definitely the line has been completely blurred between SmackDown and Raw, which I think is unfortunate. However, from the business side, I get it. So it'll be interesting to see how these continue to play out once we switch over to two completely different stations. And uh, where people will subscribe to one and maybe not the other. So I'm I'm really, really happy with how Raw and SmackDown went down um, this last week. And it, it makes me excited for SummerSlam. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, just really looking forward to it. So I know next week, Mark and I, once they've kind of finalized all of the matchups, Mark and I will break it all down, uh, give us our thoughts and opinions. But um so a couple more items that I kind of wanted to cover. Uh, one is NXT. I, I, to be honest with you, I have not been catching up with NXT. I have tried my best, but again, life gets in the way. It's a lot of wrestling to watch. But that being said, one of the things I've really gotten to enjoy is this breakout tournament. Um, it has a huge impact influence uh, in terms of the wrestlers in there. But I am, I like this idea. I like the idea that you getting eight guys, no storyline, just putting on matches, trying to put their best foot forward, which is only the best thing you can do for the fans. And then out of this, they, you know, they get something, they get something out of it. They have a chance to get a title match, but I'm all for it. I, I mean, I find that even the, the people they've chosen are people that I'm used to seeing. So I finally get to see them in the ring. Um, like I said, it's a literally a, a huge M impact uh, influence. Uh, Jordan Miles, who formerly known as ACH, is a huge independent star, but I have seen him on Impact. Uh, Joaquin Wilde, or DJZ, again, another guy that was on Impact. Got to see him here in Ottawa, which was super cool. Um, Angel Garza, who used to be go as Garza Jr., uh, still rocking the pant, the tearaway gimmick. Um, he's in this. Uh, Cameron Grimes, who I, I still think Trevor Lee is a way better name, and I really like Trevor Lee. Um, the Carolina, what do they call him? The Carolina Caveman. Uh, I think he's got a really big future uh, in WWE. And so it's it's nice to see him doing well. We even get Shane Strickland and uh, Bronson Reed. A couple of other independent uh, names that, that fans of the independent are familiar with. But it's just, again, it's it's a great setup to introduce these people without taking up too much time and throwing them into useless storylines. And then lastly is this Dexter Loomis, which is a super, super interesting character. 
He's got a creepiness to him. Um, but it's not a Bray Wyatt creepiness. It's a don't let, you know, don't let him in your house because he's going to go to your children's bedrooms kind of creepy to him. There's definitely something off about him. Uh, but I think it's something that they could really push the envelope into the edginess that they are, that Vince talked about wanting to get to when they moved to Fox. Um, but a character like this could really work really, really well. Uh, as long as they don't, I don't even think you need to give him a mic. Don't ever give him a mic. Just let it be creepy without saying a word. Makes it a thousand times more effective. So if you haven't had a chance, check out the breakout tournament. If that's the only thing you watch on NXT, uh, it's definitely something that I'd like to see them do more of. It reminds me a little of the Cruiserweight Championship. Same idea. You have a tournament, no storylines. You still have your bad guys. You still have your good guys. Uh, but they just that's just who they are naturally instead of having you know, some sort of outside motivation. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see more of this in the future and, uh, and what we get from that. And uh, let's see here. Oh, I wanted to give you guys an update on Fighting Back 9 uh, coming in on August 16th. It is completely sold out. Uh, it looks like it's the first time ever for Fighting Back. Obviously, having Cody there is a huge bonus, but ultimately, it's a huge bonus for the cause. More so than anything else, to be sold out is fantastic news for C4 and for, the, uh, for Fighting Back. Something else to note, though, is that Cody has, uh, has, you know, just stepped up his game again. So he's offering a meet and greet, special meet and greet with autograph and picture. Now, this is specifically for VIP gold and silver tickets. So when they get in early, there's this opportunity to meet Cody, get your picture with him. Uh, it's There's only 75 tickets, which means not everybody's going to get in there. Uh, it looks to be, I think it's looking at 35 bucks, um, but all the money goes to the cause. Nothing into Cody's pocket, which is, you know, you got to admit, it's just phenomenal uh, for Cody to do that. Uh, and uh, so there's that opportunity still. They haven't said they're sold out yet. So you get one Cody autograph on an item of your choice. You get an exclusive Fighting Back 9 American Nightmare Cody print plus a photo with Cody using your own camera with yourself and up to three individual people. So all in all, I think it's a pretty good deal, especially if you're you know a big Cody fan and have an opportunity to not only meet him, but again, further the cause. So this is great. So it'll still be exciting to, to see what happens on, uh, on August 16th. They have announced that they are going to do the Battle Royal again. Um, not sure, sure exactly how it all sets up, but Stu Grayson will be in that as well. Uh, Sexy Eddie's coming back, uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, plus one of the fighter flights, and uh, Jonathan Rukin will also be in there. So, so far we don't really have a lot of um, word on the card yet, but everything is moving forward. Everything look is looking great, so it'll be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to be able to talk to that, about that with you guys uh, when the time comes. Whew. It is a lot to not take a little bit of a breather, but, uh, you know, I wanted to keep this ball rolling smoothly, um, get you guys into this one as we're going to have a big episode next week. And I uh, wanted to make sure that we still get this out here and for everyone to enjoy. So, like I said, next week we're going to talk about SummerSlam. Hopefully we'll play a little more uh, what-ifs and uh, fantasy managing in the near future, perhaps next week, depending if there's time. And, uh, and we shall go from there. So once again, everyone, my name is Kyle. And for behalf of Mark, I wanted to thank you all for joining us today on the 613 Wrestling Podcast. 
Don't forget to check us out on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. We're doing our best, trying to see what we can do. Hopefully I'll have time with the SummerSlam that maybe I'll get W2K19 to uh, run through some simulation matches and see what they think is going to win. But that being said, once again, thanks very much, everyone, for joining, and uh, we will see you all next time. Six, one, three, wrestling.